Hey y'all, it's Janice. Welcome to the Dirty Diversity Podcast. This is a place where we will be exploring equity, racism, and diversity. I am a DEI consultant, educator, writer, and professor who strives to center my work around the liberation of Black folks globally. More specifically, I examine and unpack how we can create structures that support the most marginalized folks in the workplace. This is a podcast where I will share my thoughts on all things diversity, equity, inclusion, racism, anti-racism, and Black liberation. My goal is to stimulate your mind and shift you to think in a way that you've never considered before. This podcast will feature my thoughts as well as the perspectives of different folks doing related work. If you want to learn more, pick up my best-selling books, Dirty Diversity and The Pink Elephant, where I explore workplace equity in more detail. Thank you for listening. Hey, y'all. Jay Nice on the mic, back with episode three of the Dirty Diversity podcast. So when this episode is dropping, it will be on Martin Luther King, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Um, so I think that today is a great day to read about Dr. King's legacy. Um, I encourage you to read Letter from Birmingham Jail. I'll put a link to the PDF in the show notes. And I think that it's also really important to think about as we approach and celebrate Dr. King's life, and as we also approach Black History Month, I think it's important to start to think about what we are doing to grow, develop, advance, and support Black employees in our workplaces. If we're business owners and we we have Black employees, what are you doing to ensure that they are able to grow, thrive, and advance. If you are a leader within an organization, asking yourself that question. And if you are a junior or mid-level employee, what are you actually doing to support your black colleagues? So I think that these are really important questions to be asking ourselves. And so I still have some slots left for Black History Month. If you are thinking about doing some sort of programming for Black History Month, or you wanna bring in a speaker or have a workshop facilitated, reach out to me. My email is in the bio. It's just Janice at bwgbusinesssolutions.com. And so I, I definitely think that, you know, we have to think about programming within Black History Month and also outside of Black History Month. What are you doing the other 11 months to support your underrepresented employees? So, you know, again, I definitely encourage you to be thinking about programming um, and reach out to me using the email in my, in the show notes, I was going to say link in the bio. You know how on Instagram we're so used to saying link in the bio, um, that my email is in the show notes. Um, Also, if you all enjoy this podcast, I would love it if you're listening on Apple, which 
most of you or the majority of my listeners do listen on Apple, I definitely encourage you to give me an early birthday present by reviewing the podcast and just giving me your feedback. As a smaller creator or smaller podcaster, it definitely helps with the visibility of the podcast. And if you've learned something from this podcast, I just ask that you like and rate the podcast. That would mean an immense amount to me. So um, I... You know, my first episode of season three was mistakes that I've made as a DEI consultant. And some of the feedback that I got were a few people were saying, you know, can you do a part two? So I thought that this was a great opportunity to explore some additional mistakes that I have made as a DEI consultant. So this is part two of that conversation. So I would definitely say that one of the biggest mistakes that I made was not building my team out sooner. In 2020, many of us who are in the DEI consulting space saw unprecedented growth. And I was one of the people that had created my consultancy before the murder of George Floyd. I know that since the murder of George Floyd, there there have been a lot of newer consultancies that have been created based on a need that people are trying to fill and an obvious sort of need to prioritize um, racial equity. And so I started my business in 2018 and I was able to secure my first client at the end of 2018. In 2019, business was steady and I was able to you know, continue teaching full-time in um, higher education and run my business. And in 2020, the beginning of 2020, I had a couple clients I had secured for some workshops and business completely came to a screeching halt. Unsurprisingly, I think, you know, not I think, the world did sort of stop for several weeks and it was actually right around my birthday. Um, I, I remember going out with some friends in New York City and literally that next day, so it was, um, it was the second week in March because I was celebrating my birthday early because I was like, yo, I don't know what this COVID thing is, but I want to celebrate my birthday. And for any of you who know any Aries, so people with birthdays at the end of March to um, mid or to the end of April, you know that many of us can be very extravagant. I am so like my birthday is a national holiday to me. I am so big with my birthday and I always love to celebrate every single year. And so I was hell bent on having a birthday party or a birthday celebration and i remember i will never forget it was march 14th and march 15th um i believe that either de blasio or cuomo said that i feel like it was statewide so it would have been cuomo um cuomo shut down all the businesses um and or maybe it was de blasio actually because it was just in new york city so everything in new york city shut down that next day and so needless to say my business you know my business came to a halt and even some of the courses i was scheduled to teach i was not well one of the courses i was scheduled to teach was actually taken away from me and that's a whole nother story which one day maybe in the near future y'all got to remind me um i'm not going to forget but i'll i'll tell y'all the story but um that's another story for another day. But so everything was just like 
came to a screeching halt. And that's actually the time that I started contemplating writing a book. So early 2020, so January and February, is when I started this podcast. So actually, in a couple weeks, we're hitting the two-year anniversary of the Dirty Diversity Podcast. Super excited about that. But around that time, I was like, yo, I feel like I have... I've been writing for Forbes for a couple years now and I have I have you know at that time I think it was a year and some change that I had been writing and I had written over a hundred articles around diversity equity and inclusion so I felt like there was a lot of knowledge that I could share and so I was like I want to write a book and so March hit COVID hit um, the U.S. And then in April, I actually enrolled in a course. Um, and so the course was from Jasmine Womack. She had this course on how to publish a book. And then so I ro- enrolled in that in April. I wrote my book super quickly. And in May, I had d- decided that on June 19th, a.k.a. Juneteenth, I wanted to release my book. Well, when I set my release date, it just was, I guess, I don't even want to call it serendipity because serendipity implies it was something positive. Um, I didn't know that the murder of George Floyd would happen, but the book came at such a necessary time. And so, like, I was, I did not have the infrastructure in place in my business to support the growth. So I say all this whole long-winded sort of thing to say that, I one of the mistakes that I made as a business owner was not growing out my team fast enough. And we see this with if any of you have studied just businesses, I'm not you know, I don't study businesses per se, but I'm really fascinated by entrepreneurship and business growth. And Oprah has this list called Oprah's Favorite Things. And she also has a book list that I know that um, I don't know if she still publishes Oprah's Favorite Things, but it was called the Oprah effect, if you Google the Oprah effect, but anytime Oprah mentioned or talked about a company, their sales would increase exponentially. And I feel like it's similar to the Beyonce effect. Beyonce came out with a list last year, I think, or in 2020, of like businesses, Black-owned businesses that she supports and she encourages the public to support. And I know those businesses saw like exponential growth. If Beyonce is seen wearing something, I know Telfar bags grew exponentially, grew to an unprecedented level because Beyonce mentioned the bags. And so, or, and she was, I think, pictured with the Telfar bag. So, you know, putting, making sure if you're a DEI consultant, if you're essentially like I was a one one person show, I think it's really important to put support systems in place. I did not want to invest in putting the support systems in place because I felt like I could do a lot of things on my own. And so that kind of ties into um that kind of ties into one of the other mistakes that I made is not sort of leaning into my community. But, you know, I think it's really important to think about how to save your time. As a business owner, I think that it's easy to overwork. I'm just a workaholic by nature, but 
I feel like I have to, I had to relinquish control in different ways if I wanted to grow. And if I wanted to be able to touch more companies, and I know that probably isn't the best analogy to use, but if I wanted to be able to impact more companies, I have to automatize things and I have to get my time back. And I was spending such a, like I was spending a lot of time answering emails, for example. And last year I invested in a administrative, not administrative, an executive assistant, a virtual um, executive assistant. And she's been amazing. Uh, and she's really helped me with just navigating scheduling and responding to inquiries. And when June 2020 hit, I was getting so many emails requesting workshops and requesting consulting. And I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know my pricing, this, that. Like it was really, really challenging for me because I didn't have infrastructure in place because I didn't expect that much growth. So we all may know the saying, stay ready so you ain't got to get ready. But I think as a DEI consultant, that is like, very sound advice is making sure that you have systems in place so that you are able to support business growth. You don't want to wait till, especially for product-based businesses. I know that there are so many supply chain issues. So my heart goes out to all of you, if any of you listening have a product-based business, but I think that uh, that this can happen. You know, you never know who might repost or retweet your product um and you know you never know which public figure may do that and this can you know the influencer effect can have a really big impact on your sales so you don't want to you don't want your website to crash you don't want to have um not have enough inventory so you know it's it's a delicate balance but i think building out your team and looking at what are the tasks that i can delegate or i can pass off to other people and i know that at first as a business owner i know i was like i don't know how much my business is going to make i just believe in what i'm doing and i can do it you know i feel like i'm a very very um organized person when it comes to how i run my business i keep spreadsheets i keep all kinds of things i keep i heavily track my you know the my profits and i'm very i think good with tracking and all of that but um i feel like it eats it was eating up my time to do the back and forth with companies when it comes to payments so you know having a um now i have a virtual cfo and she's been just a godsend and she's really helped me so she can send invoices she can go back and forth and reach out about payments that haven't been received and all of these things and it takes that off my plate um the back and forth of scheduling that was a big thing where sometimes i would overbook i remember one time i had earlier uh in 2020 i went to miami for my birthday and i completely forgot that i actually had um something booked um and so i had to sort of rearrange things it was just a hot mess essentially and so that double booking and overbooking issue was almost completely, it was eradicated once I got my virtual um, assistant and she's been a big help. And I'm actually um, excited to share that I will be having a third team member join the team, um, an intern. And what I'm really excited and proud of is the fact that 
all of the team members and the folks that I work with are black women. And I think that black women get the job done. <laughs> Just looking at what Stacey Abrams has done in the state of Georgia and what black women continue to do in this country is, and in the world, is a testament to this notion that black women get stuff done. So I'm really excited um, to have a team of, of amazing black women that are doing, that are helping me with my mission. So that was a ramble and that was a really long way to say that the one of the mistakes that i've made since i started my business was not building my team out sooner one of the hardest things for me is you know i'm i'm the type of person that when i have wronged someone or caused harm i am quick to apologize and to try to repair and rectify the harm i am but one one of the hardest things for me is asking for help I have this superwoman syndrome where I think I can take it all on myself. I know I inherited that from my mom and my mom got it from her, her, her mom. So I think that being able to ask for help and seek out help when needed just kind of ties into that. So not building my team out sooner and learning to ask for help when I needed it um, is one. Um, and then the second mistake is not being afraid to invest in yourself. I am just by nature, I know I've mentioned this on the podcast before, I'm very, 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 very frugal. I don't like spending money if I don't have to. I'm also not one of those people, I've never really been, even when I was young, I've just never been the type of person that is like into the luxury lifestyle I, I, you know, I just am like, uh, I actually want, I debated before I met my partner, um, I, I was, I actually really wanted a tiny house. I wanted to pay $20,000 and live in a tiny house and pay off my student loans and just live a really simple life. I'm not really about that like luxury life, although I do like to travel. So I would say that that's probably the most luxury. And I, I also think that I spend a considerable amount um, getting my hair done. So that's that's one thing. But um, uh, one of my friends actually was making fun of me because I don't get my nails done. And she was like, you need to get your nails done. And I just was like, mm. I mean, I love the girl when the girlies have their nails done and when the folks have their nails done. I love designs and all of that. But I'm just not one of those people that's into like spending a lot of money on my clothes and on purses and and um, different sorts of things. I'm very just frugal by nature. And um, so I it takes a lot for me to actually invest in myself. And one of the things that was really impactful for my business was when I got my virtual CFO and she was telling me as a business owner, there's a lot of things you can write off. In 2020, I literally had like, I didn't know that I could be, um, I could have business meals. And I didn't know there's all of these sort of, um, all of these sorts of things that as a business owner uh, are business expenses. And I hadn't really been investing in myself. And lately I'm like, yo, if I wanna get to reach more companies and impact more companies, I need to feel comfortable um, I, I really need to feel comfortable, um, you know, learning from and paying for and investing in, uh, you know, ways to expand myself and grow myself. And there's people out there who've accomplished what I want to accomplish. So learning from them, what steps have they taken? And I think that um, 
it, those types of things, the investments in ourselves is, and our businesses is not going to be free. So we can't like be over here thinking, um, you know, we could learn. You could learn a lot of things in books and on YouTube. But I think that there's only but so much info you can learn and seek out and find out online. And so at some point I had to make the investment and I shared that I enrolled in an author boot camp um, where uh, the uh, Jasmine, who is the person who created it, she teaches um, aspiring authors how to write their book in a very short amount of time, I think in like a week, right? And I'm already a writer by nature. So I think for me, it wasn't um, being able to write my book fast wasn't an issue. It was what is the process as a self-published author? How do like what do I even do? I think that was more confusing for me. So I invested in two of Jasmine's courses. One was called Published and Paid, where she walks you through how to self-publish, how to get on Amazon, how to do all of these things. And um, I was actually able to hit the um, bestseller list on Amazon. And I attribute some of that to the guidance that I was able to gain from her courses. Um, so I think investing in yourself was one of the mistakes that I didn't do when I first started my business. Um, and I also, I didn't want to be a victim to what is it called analysis paralysis, where we're like, we don't want to start something or uh, uh, we feel like we can't start a business until it's perfect. I am not that person at all. I created my website myself um, and I, I've done website building before, so it wasn't a a difficult task for me, but my website was far from perfect. And even now, I'm sure there's things that I could do to optimize my website and make it prettier and do this and do that. Even uh, my logo design, my brother designed my logo for me in 2018. I'm still using the same logo. And one of my best friends actually asked me um, who designed my logo. And I was like, my brother, and I'm keeping that logo. All of that time and energy, I don't, like to me, the website, design as long as people can find out what you do and find out how to contact you that's the important part um so making sure you have a fancy name fancy uh website um a fancy logo all of that stuff is irrelevant you know you have to make sure that you're you're doing good work you know how to run your business so all of those extras are unnecessary so i think that you know not being afraid to invest in understanding how to grow and learn the business or the industry that you're in is one mistake that I made in the beginning when I was first starting my business. Um, so don't be afraid to invest in yourself. And I would say that the last mistake that I made as a business owner um, that I've learned from now is that collaboration is key. When I first started my business, I was not collaborating. I was not collaborative with other folks and even with this podcast um i really when i started it i was like ah, i i want to do a solo podcast and i still love the format of the show because again i um and doing a lot of things i'm writing i'm doing podcasts i'm doing newsletter i'm doing youtube videos i'm teaching i'm consulting full-time there's like a million different hats that i wear and i felt like when you have a podcast show where you invite guests on, you have to have someone edit those shows. And so I, I instead of making it di more difficult for me, and, and that would probably have been a barrier to me starting the podcast, I just wanted to start it. So I said, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to get started with this podcast. I'm going to go ahead and do it. 
And um, I'm and I actually like the format of the show because what I had noticed was that in other DEI podcasts, when I did my research, when I started, um, a lot of them are all of the DEI podcasts that I had seen on um, on Apple were all like a guest um, host type of format. And I was like, I can appreciate those, but me starting another similar one won't bring anything different to the table. And I feel like I'm knowledgeable enough, even if I haven't been in this, the DEI space for decades, I do enough writing and research in this field and in this space that I feel like I can stand alone on this podcast and bring some of what I've learned to the listener. So I think that I was reticent to and hesitant to collaborate a lot with folks. Also, there was nobody in my close friend circle that was a business owner, um, much less folks that do this work. So I didn't actually like reach out and collaborate with other DEI folks um, until probably 2020, until the pandemic happened. And I was on LinkedIn more, as all of us probably were. And so I, you know, I'm reminded of our now ancestor bell hooks quote, um, healing doesn't come in isolation. And so bell hooks has said like, you know, community is, is how we, we will heal. And so I remember and think about that a lot. And I think I have really been trying to lean into my community and the folks that do this work, because it can be very tiring, can be very exhausting, self-care when you're doing anti-oppression work is so necessary. And I actually had a chance to interview some folks, and I'll leave that interview in the show notes, about what they do for self-care, folks in the DEI space. And so I've had a chance to just meet in the last two years some amazing people. Kay Fabella has become a close friend of mine. She's just amazing. She is a uh, Madrid, Spain-based global DEI consultant. She's Filipino, um, originally from California, from the Bay Area, and now she lives with her partner in Madrid, and she's awesome. She's just been such a light. Um, And also, you know, amazing folks like Dr. Sam Ray, who does DEI consulting. She's amazing. We both have our doctorates, and so we speak often about her experiences doing DEI in corporate and then as our experiences as business owners doing this work and being in this space, and she's been a gem. She's amazing, too. And another community member I've been leaning into, whose work I've been leaning into, is uh, Brittany Janae. She has a podcast, which, which is actually my favorite podcast um, on Spotify. It's my most listened to podcast uh, on Spotify um, Spotify showed me my warped. So if any of you uh, use Spotify at the end of the each year, they show you your most listened to songs and podcasts. And Liberated Love Notes, which is Brittany Janae's podcast, was actually my most listened to podcast or most streamed podcast. So I, I really appreciate her work and her voice. And she has an amazing, awesome podcast through the Living Corporate Network. So check all of those folks out. On social media, I've had a chance to interview and collaborate with them in different capacities, each of those, Kay, Dr. Sam, and Brittany. And I just appreciate the community of DEI folks and anti-oppression folks and anti-racism folks that I've had an opportunity to meet while in the space and while doing this work. So I think leaning into my community 
and leaning into the community is something that a lot more DEI practitioners need to do. Um, I don't think that there's one correct way to do this work. Um, I think that the combined effects of each of us working to dismantle white supremacy or white perversion, as I call it, and um, dismantle systems of oppression is what's going to be what makes a larger impact. So it's not going to be just one person doing this work. So there's space for enough of us or all of us to do this work. And each of us may have different approaches. And, and so I think that leaning into ourselves as a community is so important. Um, one person that I love to follow on LinkedIn is Farzeen Farzad. He's amazing. Um, and I really appreciate the decolonial and, and anti-capitalist lens that he formulates his thoughts through and speaks through. So I definitely appreciate his stuff. But I think leaning more into the community, again, there's not one way that we're going to do this, but um, it's like Rennie Ito Lodge, who is a, um, a black British author who wrote the book um, why I'm no longer talking to white people about racism. In the book, she has a quote, which I wrote down. It was profound to me, and I use it often. But she says, um, every voice raised against racism chips away at its power. And I think that I, that's where I think I'm going to end this episode. And I want you to all to remember that is like we're all working collectively to dismantle oppressive systems because white supremacy or white perversion harms us all. So that is where I'm leaving the episode. So just to review those three mistakes that I've made as a DEI consultant, not building my team out and leaning into help sooner, um, not investing in myself and being frugal and being cheap and um, not collaborating with others in the, the space. And I think part of me not collaborating with people was I just didn't know that there were so many people that did this work because when I started, I did not know anyone um, personally that did this work, but learning how amazing the DEI consulting community is on LinkedIn, um, and LinkedIn is my favorite website, as some of you may know. But um, yeah, so I hope that you all enjoy this episode. I would love to hear, I think that's where I'll leave it. I don't know if there's part three or if I can think of any more mistakes. I've made so many, but I think that those are um, three of the main ones um, so I hope you all enjoy this episode. Again, if you are looking for a speaker or a workshop facilitator for your Black History Month programming or your for your organizational DEI efforts, be sure to send me an email using the, um, the email in the show notes. So I love y'all and I will check y'all out in the next episode.